This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2016, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Hi, and welcome to the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis, and today we are joined by Kevin Ertel from Solatab. Very good. Um, welcome, Kevin. Thank you. So nice to have you with us today. Um, I am really looking forward to this conversation because I know that one of the things that um, that you're passionate about as the um, Senior Vice President um, at Solotab um, of Digital is around content yes. and about making your website um, a, a hero for content for the business. And we're going to dive into that a little bit later. Um, but what I would really like to do is just to capture a little bit of um, who you are, how you got to be where you are, some of your you know your digital history and, um, and the runs that you have on the board there. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little bit of a your background sure great place to start yeah great so i've been doing retail for 31 years hard to believe uh obviously didn't start in digital started uh, with tower records as a clerk right um tower was an amazing company to work for on many fronts but one of the best was that you could start as a clerk and end up as a senior vice president like i did um, they really believed in promoting within, and so I I uh, ran stores, and you know one of our stores got a computer, <laughs> which was a big thing back then, you know. And I ended up just dinking around with it a lot. I got really good at it and played around with it, and that sort of ultimately led to a job where I was traveling around actually the world and teaching people how to use the computer system. Um, so I got I got this sort of technology background and retail background, and we got to the time when it was e-commerce was coming around, and so for me it was very much a natural that I had retail and I had technology, um, and so I got involved with the team that sort of built the first TowerRecords.com. Wow. Um, uh, actually, on the technology side, I started there, and then ultimately took over the business and ran the P&L. Um, so I did that for I was at Tower for 20 years, long time. Um, eventually moved on from there, went to Borders. Um, where I ran uh, Borders.com. From uh, music to books. Music to books, <laughs> uh, both extinct businesses. But, um, but I learned a lot in that process and got involved in a lot of uh, uh, you know, digital media and, and uh, um, certainly everything e-commerce. Um, ultimately moved on from Borders, uh, worked on the vendor side for a little bit, running retail strategy for 4C Results, which is a customer satisfaction company. Um, that gave me an opportunity to actually work with over 100 retailers um, and really understand their customer experiences because we were kind of analyzing the data of what the customer said, mm-hmm. um, which was great, but I missed the retail side of things. So I got back involved, uh, went to a, a company called Online Shoes. Uh, as the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. Um, did that for a little bit and then came over to Sir Latab four years ago. Um, and my cooking has never been better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your family are very grateful for that yeah, as yeah. well. Um, so what, what's involved with your role at Sir Latab? Because I'm not sure that we would, that the, our Australian listeners would um, be too familiar with what the business does. Cause right. It, yeah. Because we're not here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a kitchenware retailer. So we have uh, all sorts of kitchen products, um, you know, any type of cooking vessel you can imagine. 
Uh, also tabletop, so we're about, they say, presentation and preparation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stores also, about half of our stores um, have cooking classes as well. We teach cooking classes in the stores, um, which are great, great experience. Uh, unfortunately, if you don't live in the U.S., you couldn't have those. However, <laughs> we uh, are launching next week online cooking classes, Brilliant. Um, which anyone can take, and they are fantastic. So I highly recommend them. Yeah, and that's one thing about food is that that's not going to ever be extinct or go away. So I don't we, think so. So, um, so that's fantastic. So what does your role involve um, now at, at that business? So I head up everything digital. So I run the P&L for the e-commerce site, also involved in anything we do with mobile, anything digital in the stores, uh, our gift registry business, our customer service uh, team reports into me. Um, and so, you know, basically anything we're doing with digital, I'm, I'm involved. that in. involves a computer, it's thrown your way. Sort of, yeah. Sort of. At least for the customer perspective, you know, not the back-end IT stuff necessarily, but... Yeah, right. So it's, it's client-facing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, with, with that, what's the size of your team look like? So How many stores do you have? We have 130 stores. Yeah. Um, so one website. One website, yeah. Um, that does a lot of things for us. Yeah. Um, so the T, I, you know, if you include the customer service team, I think it's I don't know seventy ish or something like that people. Um, but the customer service is is a big portion of that. Yeah. So one of the things we we want to dive into is um, which I'm you know particularly interested in is the content production. Um, how how do you organize your team in 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 the format of the digital responsibilities that you carry out so and what what would be the sort of numbers that you would have in each of the areas well so we have a we have a pretty small team I and mean, we're very tight so we have lots a, of people will love to hear that yeah. and find that very reassuring <laughs> yeah it's small i mean we have a couple uh, merchandisers online merchandisers who do um you know they do a lot of things they'll, do, they'll put pages together uh for various shops or what have you um they also work on some of our video content um and they work on, you know, some of the email we send out, they, they kind of cover, you know, basically have two people who do merchandising. So they do a lot. Um, yeah. We have two people who do product content um, for the most part, a copywriter um, and a, a usability person. I mean, that's, we don't have a real big team. Yeah. 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 So you need to be really focused on what you're doing and, and, and do you work with agencies or external providers or contractors or freelancers to kind of plug um, any gaps or? Occasionally we do. I mean, we, we, we do for, um, for marketing type of stuff. Uh, on the content side, one thing I just mentioned in the presentation that we're just getting started with, there's a company called Content Oro, like, like gold or O-R-O. Yes. And uh, this was a company that was started by a friend of mine that, that we worked together at Borders. And uh, he had what I think is a brilliant idea. He, he had this relationship with all these publishers anyways. And there, there are literally millions and millions of books that have been published about every topic you can possibly imagine. There's probably a dozen books about every topic you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And most of that content is just sitting. It's professionally written content that's gone nowhere. And well, it's so, out of print. It's out of print, just yeah. sitting there. So. His idea was, hey, if we can digitize that content and make it available, and I don't know if he says this, but I sort of think of it as Getty Images for content, mm-hmm. in that you can go and pick content you want via his API and display it on your site. 
And so we're just getting rolling with him, but I think this is going to be a great source of content for us because we don't have to write it. It's mm. professional content. Mm. And his scenario is if you, if you essentially, I guess you're renting that content, but when you have it, nobody else can have it. Mm. And do you pay royalties back? To yeah, you, you pay yeah. A, a fee for yep. it, you know, but um, it's not a huge fee. Again, this is, this is content that was just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. So. It's such a genius idea. It really is. It really genius. is. So yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I think he really, he's on to something there yeah as a content market i always say one piece of content multiple uses and yeah. about repurposing um existing content over and over and over and this is such a genius idea for that as a content marketer myself and producer it's um absolutely genius so good good things to see that are still happening in that in that in the book space yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> The physical books are maybe dying, but the content still matters a lot. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, so one of the things that um, we were wanting you to talk about was about how when you came to Solatub, you looked at their, their web strategy and some of the things that you did to take it to the next level. Um, often when a digital person arrives at a new business, one of the first things they do is look at the, you know, the design of the website and, you know, want to come in and, and, and with fresh eyes can see a whole bunch of right. um, opportunities um, that the business may not have seen or didn't have the right person or, or it was just time to sure. do something with. So when you came to the, to the, to the business, um, did you have it in your mind that it was, I'm going to make this kind of like a flagship store, you know, our online store is going to be a flagship store? Was it something that came through consultation with the business or hearing customers or just seeing what others were doing? Um, I, I, you know, it's probably a combination of those things. You know, I, I remember coming in initially and um, people would, you know, I would be trying to get some stuff done and people would say, yeah, I get it, but you know, you're only 11% of the business or whatever. They'd give me those sort of comments, and and that's when I, you know, <sighs> I talked about it a little bit today. I said, well, that's it, that's kind of a myopic way to look at a website. Um, and so we talked a little bit about it. And, I, and the stat that I pulled out that I really started to, well, actually, I took it to my boss, our CEO. He this he was there at the time. Um, I took to him. I said, look, you can talk about it in that way but let's look at traffic and i showed him that the the number of people that came to our site was more than the number of people who came into all of the stores combined which blew his mind you amazing know? And, and he was really great about it because he just started telling everybody that yeah and it started to change the way we think mm-hmm. and i and that's really important finding a metric that makes sense to bricks and mortar retailers yes that makes sense in a digital format that's really clever it yeah i mean it does and so people got it and when i started to talk about you know we we you know asked people why they're coming to the site so i could show people that data too and when we did that we found the number one reason was that people came to research a future purchase Mm -hmm. and then when we asked them where do you prefer to purchase you know like two-thirds of them said the store And so, you know, start to share that data with people and people get, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, this is this really valuable vehicle for us. Mm-hmm. More people are touching our brand online than they are in our stores. How do we maximize that? Yeah. And so that sort of concept and discussion topic really changed the mindset and people started to look at the site in a very different way and that helped. So four years down the track is is your online store. It's still capturing more traffic than all of your stores combined. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's what more, ab- more than ever. What about the revenue line? Revenue's gone up quite a bit, you know, and we're a much larger percentage of our overall sales than we were when I was there four years ago. Yeah. So it, it, that continues to grow. Um, but again, I don't, it, that's one way of looking at it, but I think it, that's not the way we want to really be talking about it all the time because I don't want to lose sight of the fact that we still have this value that we need to continue 
um, to maximize. And, and that is going well beyond just a sale on the site. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're going to jump into. Um, so let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the the strategies that you use to start building the website to become the hub of the brand and to, and to be, you know, the flagship of the brand online that could be in all of those markets that the stores aren't right um and and building the the relationship so should we start from the top i think one of the things that you were talking about was um starting with the with the site and the redesign that you did for the site so that one of the purposes of having a website is obviously to sell online that's kind of we know that that's done and dusted the next thing is also marketing the business and bringing the brand to life so what were some of the things that you did with that well, so there's a couple of things. One, we, you know, the site had become pretty dated looking, you know, and it wasn't a great experience for touchscreens, for example. There was a lot of texts, you know, so we, we knew that we needed to do a couple of things just to get the site up to, you know, current standards. How old was the existing site when that you inherited? Um, I mean, I think it, you know, I'm not actually sure. It had been around for for you know, early, since the early 2000s, I think. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it it it'd been there, but it... it, it it wasn't a prime focus for the business. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and that sort of way of thinking about it wasn't there for sure. Um, so I, I just find that, and I, I, I talked about it here, but first impressions really, really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a website, on anything, you know, you see something, you have an impression. And if something looks old and dated, you have less confidence in it than if it looks new and fresh. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important to constantly keeping it looking new and fresh and staying with the times. Mm-hmm. Um, because people do make these judgments. Whether they can tell you that or not mm-hmm. is a different story. Mm-hmm. But they do. And, uh, you know, I I referenced today talking about uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, and he talks about this concept of thin slicing, which is really the part of our brain, the amygdala, that makes snap decisions. Mm -hmm. It's a gut instinct. And so um, you have to think about that kind of stuff all the time. We're redoing our checkout right now. Same thing. Our checkout is starting to look dated. And, geez, that's the last place we want to have people lose confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So there's a constant focus on that kind of thing and keeping it up. And the world's changing so fast, you have to kind of constantly be doing it. Yeah. So um, in the redesign, it was bigger pictures, more more current pictures, changing some of the um, color of color balance on the site, um, font changes, navigation changes. That was, I think, something that was mentioned as being quite significant. Right. It was a little bit of all of that. The navigation was a big one. We we had terms in our navigation that were kind of industry terms. Mm-hmm. You know, the one example I like to use is uh, electrics. We we talk about electrics within the business, and what we mean by that is what normal people call small appliances and we had gone out and done card sorting with a bunch of customers and got them to look at pictures of items and tell us what they call it and you know believe it or not not a single person called them electrics (laughs) so so we had you you know we heard a lot of appliances and small appliances and there was lots of examples of that of other types of of categories too so we we went with what customers were telling us you know how are they thinking about it let's answer to that i think Mm -hmm. that's that's a key, you know, guideline always is what are the customers thinking? How are they going about it? What are they saying? Let's reflect that instead mm-hmm. of, you know, being on some different path. Yeah. So card sorting with with real life customers. Yeah. 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 Which is, you know, and now in the old days, you, you had to get people in a room and have actual cards. But now you can do all this online, too, in a really oh, yeah. easy way. You know, so we were able to just recruit a bunch of people online and do this cheaply and yeah. easily. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so then all of the other things that, um, you know, that fall under the marketing realm. So um, the website becoming the home for the blog, um, for it, for you also using affiliates um, to ref- for, for referrals, using display advertising to come back to the website, um, social, SEO, SEM, all of those things. So you came in and yeah, well, I mean, and that's one of my, when I talk about the site being a hub for the brand, you know, there's a, a number of different spokes for that. And I think that, you know, one of them is online sales channel, of course. Another big one is it's a marketing vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, on a number of fronts. One of the vehicles is, you know, we were just talking about brand and representing the brand. But, you know, all this digital marketing, which we, we do, which we're shifting more and more dollars to that, a more higher percentage of our marketing budget. All digital marketing vehicles ultimately are clicked on and when you click on it you land on the site so this is a constant thing too how what are we doing with that traffic when it comes in how do we make sure the site first of all gives people what they expected based on what they clicked on and then how do we enhance that how do we take it further and make sure that you know people can get deeper into the site and more engaged with the brand mm-hmm. um, and that's that goes um, that holds true with any of the different digital marketing vehicles there are. We're, we're um, I don't think we're the best at it yet. We're trying to get better. We're always focused on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant work in progress. You've, you're never done. Right. Exactly. Right? That's know, exactly right. Continuous improvement. Continuous improvement. And just when you've got a handle on it, there's a new piece of tech or exactly. you know, some new insights or there's something there's something always shifting. Um, so talk about um, merchandising and how, how you view merchandising on the site. Yeah, so merchandising is another one of those spokes uh, to the hub, and I always try to compare it to the store. In that stores are limited by physics. I mean, you you know, one item can be in one place at a time mm. in the real world, mm. but not in the digital world. Mm. So we can take that same item and put it in lots of different shops on the site, lots of different ways, so people can discover it along a number of different paths. That's one aspect of it. Another is the site is our most knowledgeable sales associate. You know, we have all the information there. Um, so we, we can, you know, make sure that we're covered with a lot of product data, specifications, what have you. Um, we can enhance it with video, you know. So, um, you know, example I was giving earlier is that uh, we have this Wolfgang Puck oven, you know, um, that he put out. And, you know, one of the things we can do on the site is we can get Wolfgang Puck to talk about the item. You know, we can have a video of him doing that. Mm-hmm. We can't do that in the store, but we can make it available so people in the store can see it. Mm-hmm. And now it's available everywhere. Mm-hmm. So those are uh, a couple ways that I think we enhance merchandising via the site. And um, what did it tell me about Fluid? Fluid. So Fluid is great. So this is a, a company we're working with on our dinnerware uh, product. Um, so we have, you know, table, a lot of tabletop stuff, whether that's uh, uh, tablecloths or placemats, uh, dishes, bowls, mugs, glassware. Um, and we have all sorts of different designs in them, you know. And so you could buy a set or you can maybe mix and match different things. And a lot of people do like to mix and match things. So that has been a difficult experience for us both online and in stores. Online, it's really hard because you know, you're looking at individual items. But even in a store, we have 5,000 square foot stores. There's not enough room to show all the different combinations of an item. So um, working with Fluid, we created this thing called Mix and Match. And it's an interface on our site that allows you to see a table setting and change out all the stuff. You can change the placemat. You can change 
the different dishes that are there. Maybe uh, maybe you have some whiteware dishes and you put one of our you know lemon uh, bowls on that and maybe a lemon napkin or what have you. You can see how it all lays out. We even let you change the actual table itself. So if you have a dark table or a light table, you can see how that all looks. And it's really amazing how you can start to see it. The, the AOV for people who are using that is way higher than people that don't because mm-hmm. you start to play. I mean, it's addictive. You start playing yeah. with it, you can get really caught up in it. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be really great for us in our stores as well because people can then put together the collection, see what it's going to look like, and then just pick up the items and move out. So it's a, it's a way that we can really enhance um, that capability whether you're online or in a store. Yeah, and so one thing I was interested uh, to ask you about was the use of kiosks in store. So for that, that's that's a really key part of your in-store strategy? Well, I mean, it's there. We, we've been talking a lot more about how much more we can do with it. So each store has one kiosk, um, but I think we can do a lot more with that. And I'd love to see us do more kiosks, but also more mobile devices in the store. So, you know, associate can just walk around with a you know, tablet or what have you yeah. and do the same thing. But if we're going to have a physical kiosk, I'd like to see it get bigger and bigger and more touchscreen friendly and, you know, something that people can really immerse themselves in. Yeah. But that's, you know, we're not there yet, but it's coming. Yeah. I hope. Now, one of the great things that um, a website can do is give you heaps of customer research. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got some really interesting ideas around or, or things that you've been doing in that space. Yeah. I mean, you know, the site, obviously people leave behind a lot of data. So yep. Um, there's way more data available than we have time to analyze, of course, but um, we, we kind of collect it in a number of ways. We, we have behavioral data. We see what people did on the site. Um, we use 4C to ask people their thoughts. And so that's a survey that pops up. It co- pops up randomly for people. We sample a certain percentage of the customers and ask them stuff, but we use it every day. Mm. I mean, we literally are running that thing 24-7 all the time asking people. So that's permanent. You don't just have it on for a period of time. I was on the site last night checking, checking yeah. everything out. It popped up for me. You did get it. Okay, yeah, so. I got it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's always on. We can change the questions. Yeah. So we have certain questions that we don't change because we want to measure over time how people are reacting to certain things. Uh, but then there's other questions that we change out as we're trying to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ask all the time, and it's super useful to have that data. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your conversion rate on that? Like how many people, you know, from being presented with it to actually engage with it? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I, yeah. I had that data at one point. It's it's pretty good, though. I mean, yeah. we're getting, you know, we get a bunch of answers every day. Yeah. So it's it's pretty solid. It's, it's gold. So using four, um, 4C. 4C. 4C, yeah. 4C, yeah. Um, and testing. So tell us about the testing so, strategy. Yeah, testing. We constantly are testing. So there we use a company called Monotate. Um, and we are running, you know, I, I showed an example. We had 200 some tests running recently. I mean, we always have that many going yeah. on. There's a, a bunch of stuff. And we'll just try anything. Yeah. The beauty of that is if anybody gets an idea, like, well, yeah, let's just try it. Mm. Yeah. Um, we don't do need it. to argue about it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And so... Most of them don't work. Our person who was our kind of primary person running Monotate one time came to me and she kind of said, I don't feel like I'm getting anything accomplished. None of these are ever producing any results. And I said, no, you're finding out what didn't work. That's great. Yeah. You know, that's valuable. Mm-hmm. And th- that allows us to find things. The example I showed uh, here was one of our best results was we doubled the size of our font of the price. Mm. That's all. I mean, that was one of those things like, why don't we try that? Okay, why not? Let's see how. And it was huge. 
Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it did really, really well. And that just popped out of, of all the different tests we did. And that one was a good example of something that did so well that we actually translated to signage in our stores. We said, well, geez, this is really something that we've got to build on. And, and it worked. Yeah. So we run them all the time, all the time. Yeah. Any any idea you can think of, we'll try it and see what happens. Yeah, fantastic. Always be testing, as they say. Yep. And I mean, this the tools that enable you to, to tweak just little things at a time and, and see the results, they're there. So you're crazy not to, to use them because exactly. they pay for themselves at the end of the day. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. And you know, some of these, like Monotate's a good example, you can get really complicated with it. I mean, we use it for actually more than just testing because... We can personalize with it, actually, you know, because you can take all this stuff that you know about people. For example, they came from all these different marketing vehicles. So do you want to give them a different experience when they come in? Mm-hmm. You can do that. So it's personalized, but we're testing it at the same time. So we're, we're optimizing as we go. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, I think back to the continuous improvement that uh, that's a great way to go. You just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, you mentioned Seth Godden when you were starting yes, to yes, talk yes. about um, community building and how the site does that. Um, all hail the great Seth. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Um, and, you know, the, the, the painful speech that he gave to the music industry, which would have just, you know, rung so true to you from your experience about people trusting people. And yes. people don't buy from companies, they buy from people. So in terms of actually building the community um, online and building that trust um, with, within your community, how, how have you interpreted that? What are some of the things you've done around that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, his point in that speech was that the music industry was, you know, they were suing their customers at the time. It was really stupid. And they were missing this opportunity that they were sitting on top of, this huge opportunity that they were the ones that could see that people that like this artist were very similar to people like this other artist. And how could they bring all those sort of groups together? And if they did that, they would really enhance the experience of those fans for sure, but they'd enhance themselves at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think those lessons apply to retail for sure. And so for us, it was hey, we've got all these passionate cooks all over the place. How do we find ways to connect them? And we do it underneath our brand umbrella. That makes us more valuable in their lives, but it makes their whole experience better, and that's really the magic of it. And so there's a number of ways that you can do that, I think. And we uh, we found a partner that we work with called Turn2 that is really kindred spirit in this, so it's been great. I can can talk to their CEO, George Eberstadt, and we riff on all these ideas, and then, you know, a lot of them get built, which is great. Uh, nice kind of partner. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> awesome, and uh, and and they're they're a great group of people. So we, you know, they started with things like customer reviews. Of course, everybody's had those for a long time, and you almost forget that those are actually community. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think you forget that that it, that is people connecting with each other, and mm-hmm. people trust the review of someone they've never met over almost anything. And, and, and they have reason to actually, because people don't steer you wrong there. Mm. They're honest. They're Mm. not, they're not, they don't have any other agenda. Mm. Um, so we started with reviews, but then, you know, enhance that further. Um, one thing we do with them is, is, uh, called, they call it community Q and A. So questions and answers, which is also great. As much as we try to give all this information about a product, people will have questions that we didn't provide. So they have this ability to ask the question, but what the turn to team does for us, it's really great is they have a really great algorithm where they send that question out to people who bought that item. 
And I'm not exactly even sure how their algorithm works, like how they decide who should get it or whatever. It's a black box. Thank yeah, <laughs> but, but it works, so I'm good. It's good. Um, and we get answers back really quick, and some of the answers are incredibly detailed. They're just amazing answers. Um, and so that's a great way to connect people. But now we've been enhancing on it further. You know, um, One thing that I, I've been wanting for a long time to do is I know that, that one thing people love to do is take pictures of food. Oh, yeah. And well, I think Instagram should just be called Foodstagram. Right, exactly. Right? You know, just There's be done with so it. so much of that. <laughs> and so I thought, well, how do we get that onto our site? You know, people are, are using an, an item um, like a Dutch oven is a good example of, of a vessel that you can do a lot with um, that isn't immediately obvious. So if we could have people who bought some Dutch oven then take pictures of things they made with it and share that with other customers. Um, then that's inspiring for other customers. It helps them really see all they can do. And it's just much more believable because it's real people who did it, real right. people like you. Yeah. Um, and that enhances the whole experience. Our, now we're giving our customers really great ways to inspire other customers or, to, you know, to show off, which is great. You know, you made this amazing meal, show the world. And we're going to give you a vehicle to do it. Yeah. And uh, I think that is what we're about. It's like, you know, how do we help people have these better lives around cooking and how do we let them feel great about themselves and, and, and all that um, and give them some some avenues to sort of express that. Mm. So community Q&As um, yeah. for community building, so uh, fantastic and I'm really curious to, to find out more about what Turn2 do. Um, so visual reviews, so being able to add photos to, yeah. to the products. Um, so that was really interesting. I saw that an example where you um, sent an email to somebody after they'd purchased and gave them a really easy way to take right. a photo of to add to their review um, that then goes onto the site as well. So visual reviews was the first was that was the first time I'd heard that concept. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good one, you know. And yeah, the email has proved really helpful because most people are opening their emails on a smartphone. So yeah. we have a, a little button in there that allows you to just easily access your camera on your smartphone, yeah. take a picture, write the review, and you're done. I mean, it's all boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and check out comments. Yes. Sorry, I forgot to mention those. I'm okay. so excited about. <laughs> Um, so this is something else we're doing with Turn2 that's really great. After the purchase completes, uh, we just ask people a simple question. Why did you choose this item? Um, so we're asking people at the height of their interest in it why they thought they wanted it. And the, the answers are just pure gold. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable what people write sometimes. And uh, it's inspiring. And then we take that comment and we do two things with it. One, we put it back on the product page. So now... Uh, other customers who are looking at that item can see why people who bought it bought it. Does that resonate? It's great. You know, and a lot of times they're, they're fairly short. They're not as long as a review, but sometimes that's great because you can just see, oh, here's the reason why. You know, that's great, you know. But we also created a page that we call Cart Talk. And the page sort of looks like uh, Pinterest, Pinboard. Um, but what it is, it's, it's, it's a constantly changing page that shows things people just bought and said why they bought it. Mm. So it changes all the time, and you find amazing comments in there, and you can discover a lot of items there. I mean, I found lots of things in there that I didn't even know we carried. Mm. Uh, we sell, we have 14,000 SKUs or so on the site. Um, we market a tiny, tiny percentage of those. So now we're seeing people are buying these things, and it's just popping up, and you can find all these things that are really interesting and you see why people are interested in it it's a very addictive page I'm, i go in there i get yeah. sucked into it i can be yeah. on it for you know five minutes yeah um which is great so i think uh, another way that 
people are able to see what other people are doing and connect to other customers. And that whole thing, people buy from people. Yes. You know, so, and it's the community actually doing it for you. It so, is, yeah. Yeah, and um, and making, I think, people feel validated that what I have to say matters. Exactly. Um, and, and it does. And it does, yeah. So, um, I just thought that that was absolute genius. Um, and I'm curious to go back onto the site and see what that what, Yeah, what play around like. with it. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. So, um, so, in terms of the kinds of content that you actually have on the site um, that you have to encourage people to either um, come back because I mean one of the statistics you said was you know people come to the website the amount of traffic that you have coming to the website is more than you have to the to the individual stores combined right. but I think one of the other interesting um, statistics was um, you know the number of people that are online to prior to purchase so they're doing research so that's then you know the number one reason why mm-hmm. they're actually on the website and so how how what kind of content do you have on there to to help them with their research to keep them engaged perhaps to keep them coming back so that's a constantly changing piece like we were we were talking about a bunch of examples but one that i didn't mention that should have is recipes so recipes is really huge massive uh, you know and we we had asked people if they would be more inclined to shop with us in store and online if they could access all of our recipes and people overwhelmingly said yes yeah so um we're constantly adding more recipes um, we're using we're, we will be using content oro to get more stuff out of books um, we, we add new recipes every week, um, um, try to make seasonal recipes, what have you. Um, those are on the product pages too. So if you're looking at a Dutch oven, you can see a bunch of recipes that are related to that. Um, and, you know, again, find ways that you can, um, uh, use that item, but then also, Hey, try some stuff out, try some different recipes. We send an email, uh, every Sunday called on the table that is all about a recipe. It's not about product. It might mention some product in there because you need it for the recipe, but we don't even put prices in the email. Mm-hmm. It's just glory about the recipe. It's just about food. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and we know that's what matters most is people yeah. love to cook and they love to connect with people in their lives through cooking. So, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, or express themselves. So, new recipes mm-hmm. are a really valuable way to find some new thing you can do um, to express yourself with your friends and family. And when you can inspire them to cook. Absolutely. By the way, we sell everything that you can sure, use Sure, there you go. Cook. Just works out well. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, it's it's meeting people's pain points and um, and providing solutions and inspiration. Yes. Um, and, yeah, there's one, there's very few things that are more precious than sitting down with a homemade meal with your loved ones. I mean, yes. You know, it's why we exist, isn't yeah, it, Absolutely. Really? So, you know, the, really tapping in. And as somebody who has to cook for her family, anything that I can do that can get a bit of inspiration. And I, I pretty much... I love cookbooks, but I pretty much exclusively research online for recipes. And I have my um, laptop in my kitchen and I have recipe apps on my phone that when I'm in the supermarket and I'm looking for inspiration and there's a little tip and that would be handy. Um, But a blog, how-tos, advice, techniques, cooking techniques, recipes, all of those things. Right. And we're adding online cooking classes. So, and those are amazing. Uh, Phenomenal. I, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I, we were just launching them next week, but one of them's on pasta. And uh, I, I've watched it, of course. And um, I, one of the lessons in there is around tortellini, which I've always felt was kind of intimidating. Yeah. And so one of the things we do in our class is we have our chef teaching it. But a lot of online instruction you'll see is the instructor in a room alone talking to the camera. And we thought, you know, I don't want to do that because that's not what our classes are about. They're about fun and interaction with people. Yeah. And so we brought students into it. 
And so one of the benefits of that, though, is we had our chef, you know, he first demonstrated the tortellini. And it still sort of felt complicated to me. But then he brought a student in, and she started doing it, and she kind of messed it up. And he showed her how to fix it. And Brilliant. all of a sudden, it seemed way more accessible to me. Yeah. And so I made tortellini. Yeah. And I even got my kids involved. My kids were helping me make tortellini. And boom, all of a sudden, I'm a tortellini maker. Yeah, and there you And go. that was, you know, and to your point, it was a great way to connect with the family. The kids were having fun. Yeah. Um, my wife loved the tortellini. So it all worked out great. And yeah. it was all from this class. So. Yeah. And there you go. And then what can we cook next? You know, yes, And then it becomes exactly. embedded in, you know, things that we do together. Yes. And um, oh, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so in terms of actually getting that content produced, you know, that's there's the rise of video has been well and truly touted in the last 12 months and, you know, the barriers to entry to producing video, right. to um, watching video, it's, it's all dramatically lower. But um, I still think it's one of the barriers that retailers have because I think that it's going to be cost costly you know there's more, there is more time involved in producing good video content yes. there's more people involved there is more there is more technical skills that are involved um how do you overcome that well i mean so looking at it on a couple different levels um i think in some cases it can you know making an online cooking class is a much bigger production yeah. than say filming something about a you know but not if you're already product. running them in store i mean well it still is because it's diff you know you, you have to have different sound and lighting yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah. so we can't actually just film an actual class that that yeah that was where we had originally thought and it doesn't yeah. really work out well yeah. um so it's a bigger production but We've been doing, uh, our national chef has been doing these amazing videos in his own home kitchen in, in New York, in Brooklyn, with his phone. And we put them on Instagram. And they're great. And they're not high, high production quality. But I had actually seen a study uh, it was a couple of years ago that showed um, consumer confidence and believability on video at different levels of production quality. And it turned out the medium production quality had the highest mm -hmm. consumer confidence. Right. You know, I think because it just feels more real. Mm. And now we're probably even more than ever we're used to this because you go on YouTube or whatever and there's just tons of that. The people yeah. making their own content. But Joel, our chef, uh, his content, uh, it, which we have several Instagram feeds, is, it's really compelling. And he literally did it with his phone in his kitchen. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. So just on that, um, social wasn't one of the things that um, we've, we've mentioned yet. But what part does that play? Yeah, I mean, it's playing a bigger and bigger part. I think we look at it less in terms of transactional and more in terms of brand enhancing. You know, so him doing these videos, for example, on some tip from the kitchen. Um, we try to get more of that. Instagram has been pretty big for us, you know, mm. uh, back to your foodogram yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. uh, that's been probably one of our best. And Pinterest is another one um, that we've seen pretty good uh, traction on. Um, again, uh, it's it's really food related, you know. Yeah, but, but but that's awesome. I mean, that's the way that you get in. That's the way that you have return traffic. That's right. the way that you build trust. That's the way you give inspiration. For Absolutely. You. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the changes that have been happening, particularly, I mean, Facebook's the last couple of years. We all know that you know it's a pay to play platform. It's interesting when you're saying Instagram has been really great for you. There's changes afoot there as well. Mm -hmm. Have you got any strategies for how you might be thinking about Instagram differently going forward? Um, well, we're, we're doing more video on Instagram for yeah. sure. Um, I, I think it's constantly evolving. All those things are. I don't know that you can have a strategy that's going to last very long because the whole platform changes all the yeah. time. Um, the key is, I think, to stay focused on what the brand is about and continue to enhance brand by, by you know, 
building on what it is we're about you know and in our case it's about cooking and it's about what cooking can do for you and if we can continue to find ways to inspire people to cook to your point then that ends up being good for us so Mm. so um one of the things in 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 my practice when i'm talking to my clients is always talking about conversion converting followers into subscribers Mm. and and how important email is in in business um, you know, we tend to get so caught up in social and, you know, right. it's so public and it's so instant and it's um, addictive. But, you know, actually in terms of growing businesses and converting, con- making e-commerce conversions, um, is, it tr- is it true that email for you is still one of the most um, powerful tools? Sure. Email's huge. Yeah. Hands yeah, down. Without a doubt. Yeah. You know, a good, strong email makes a massive impact on the business. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that still matters a ton. I, I think it's, it's also more... Um, it's a little bit more about mindset as well. I mean, I think that's one thing about social and why it ne- isn't necessarily a great transaction driver versus other things is because a lot of times with social mindset and using it as entertainment, mm. you're there trying to be inspired or whatever. You're not necessarily shopping. Yeah. Whereas if you, if you open an email from a brand, you already have some interest in shopping, really. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're doing it. Yeah. So it's just a different mindset. Mm. Um, and, you know, even I... I remember when Google, when Gmail, uh, you know, kind of shifted to their shopping tab and all that, and people were freaking out about it. But I don't think in the end it really hurt. It may have even helped some because at least now you got a tab. If you're in the shopping mindset, you go there. Yeah. You're not deleting it because it's in your way yeah. of other stuff you're trying to do. And so, therefore, the email never had a shot. Yeah. So, so I think there's some value to that sometimes. So just on your email strategy, you mentioned that on Sunday nights you send out just a recipe. It's just content. Yeah. Um, it's not a sales pitch or anything else. Do you have other kinds of categories of email? that you or do you do you go do you do personalization segmentation um, we're doing yeah we're doing more and more of that i mean I, I think we can be a lot better there but we've we uh we do that regular one on sundays but we've done some others on certain national days you know we yeah. there's a national day for everything yeah. but we we had a national shrimp day recently and we did this sort of love affair to shrimp that was an awesome email it was really great and inspiring so we look for those opportunities as well to, to uh to build on stuff like that. Yeah, and and one of the other um, points about content is just how important it, it is to demonstrate the return on on creating great content and how important that is. How do you talk to your senior execs about that? Yeah, I mean that's you know we started this on the table email that was a it was a big controversial thing that you know I was kind of pushing this idea that I want to send this email out and it's not going to have any prices in it and it's not going to be a hard. We're not going to sell anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so what we did is we sent it to a segment of people and we had a control group and we held out. And these were two sets of people that looked identical leading into that. And what we found after three months is the people who were in the group that got that email, there was a halo effect on all of their emails. They opened all of them more. They shopped on more. They, you know, everything was more um, because we did something that got them more engaged and more inspired in the brand. And that, you know, that was pretty good, clear data that we could show to everybody and go, here you go. And nobody's questioned it since. Yeah. And so it's not just pitching something at you all the time. It's not just a continual sales message. It's actually taking the time to get to know you, offer something of real value. Exactly. Show that you know where they are and meeting them. Right. Meeting them at that. Which is basic human relations. You'd think that wouldn't be the part of their outfits. Yeah. And for some reason we... We retailers. Yeah, I know. We we kind of lose that. But, you know... it's so beautiful that the fact that you actually have kitchens in your stores, that you, yes. you run cooking classes, you have that personal interaction, um, you are about helping people be better cooks and what a gift 
to give to somebody and their family and their loved ones so the heart you know it's such for me that's that's um you can't oversell the importance of of helping people you know cook better food for their themselves and their family I could not say that any better. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think we might leave it there, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was Um, fun. Lots of little gems in there. Um, Some great companies that you're working with and and fantastic examples to see how how you're getting results out of that. So um, do you ship to Australia by any chance? Uh, Well, roundabout. (laughs) You know, through people use package forwarding. We don't officially. Right. Okay. There's another another opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for your time, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard today, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events.